ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Ypulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report on young consumers and content creation. Mary Lee Bliss, Ypulse's chief content officer, is here to discuss everything you need to know about the new generation of nano-influencers. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You say influencer, I say Kardashian, but then you say budget, <laughs> and I say roll because I can't even think about hiring one of those social media heavy hitters. And as with most of my interviews with you, you're here to lead me out of the wilderness and tell me how your research can help us redefine what an influencer is, what they mean, and then having redefined it, how to connect with audiences in that authentic and cost-effective way but before we dive into your findings, can you give us some information about the trend report, the geographic territory you cover, age of who you survey, methodology you use? Yeah, absolutely. So Y Pulse is constantly surveying young consumers about their behavior and the trends they're fueling. Um, all of our surveys are end of a thousand, 13 to 39 year olds. So the trend report that we're talking about today, new content creators, spoke to a thousand Gen Z and millennials in North America. We also fielded this survey in Western Europe. So we will have a Western Europe version of this report with Western Europe insights. All of our surveys are balanced for age and gender, recidivity, et cetera. And because they are a large sample, the margin of error is small in the 3% range. So you're looking at real-time statistics on young consumers' feelings about everything we're asking them. It seems like everyone is making content. Is everyone an influencer? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think by the definition that brands have used for influencer in the past, it would be you know a surprise to say that everyone is an influencer in their own right. But when we ask young consumers if they are creating content for an audience beyond their friends and family... So, you know, not just mom, dad, aunt, uncle, and your friends at school, but an audience broader than that, the majority tell us that they are posting content for a broad audience. And so though their circles might be smaller, their circles of influence might be smaller, they are influencers and they are content creators. Um, and they're putting a lot of themselves into their feeds. Um, so yes, the majority of Gen Z millennials are influencers. We called them nano influencers. So a nano influencer only reach a nano audience? Yeah, these are, you know, not in the millions, the majority of them, right? The the number of young consumers who are reaching audiences in the hundred thousands and millions is a very small percent, which is why when you get up to those super high profile influencers, the price tag for working with them is so enormous. Most young consumers have follower counts um, under 5,000, um, but that still means that they are reaching hundreds um, and or thousands of followers who are listening to them, paying attention to what they're posting, being entertained by them. Uh, but the other difference is that because of new algorithms like TikTok, um, really 
any young consumer who is creating content for an audience is an algorithm away from viral fame. So these follower counts, again, it's it's not going to be the majority who go viral, but it really can happen to any young person because of the way that content is surfaced on platforms now. But if something goes viral, that's that one piece. So if I'm a brand and I'm evaluating somebody, virality of one piece isn't as tempting as somebody who has a slightly heavier follower account, right? Or am I thinking about it wrong? Sure. But I think the the mentality around creating content for an audience for young consumers is that they are you know, really within fame, fame is attainable and those larger follower accounts are very attainable to them. Um, And then at the same time, what brands need to think about is that any one of the young people with smaller followers could instantaneously have far more and that those um, young people who are going viral, you know, all of a sudden um, have kind of built in followings already that have been right. paying attention to them. Right. And of course, once you get viral, then you get more followers. So it's like getting in on the ground floor of a sure. stock that's going to pop. Sure. Um, which generation tends to have more influence? Do the olds have more because they've been doing it longer? <laughs> how, how does it work? Yeah. Um, no, elder millennials, us geriatric millennials, not necessarily um, more followers because we've been on social media since the dinosaurs were, were running it. No, what we found actually was that 18 to 24 year olds are the ones with the highest follower counts. And so arguably these are the most influential demographics. So funny. It sounds like a marketing person's dream, right? 18 to 24. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. Almost half of 18 to 24 year olds have follower counts in the 100 to 1000 range. That's compared to around a third of younger creators and older creators. They're also more likely to have follower accounts in the 5,000 to 10,000 range. So definitely ones to pay attention to there. Right. How do young consumers feel about their fellow nano influencers vis-a-vis the people with those huge followings like the Kim Kardashians and their 285 million? You know, do they pay more attention to Jane Smith, who I, even though I don't know her, she seems more like me versus the, you know famous, famous people? Yeah. Well, when we ask consumers about influencers and other surveys, and when we ask them about who they trust when it comes to different kinds of public figures, what we have consistently found is that young consumers say it doesn't matter how many followers a person has when it comes to who they trust. So the follower count being in the millions doesn't mean that young people who are, who are following those accounts, trust them more than a person who has, you know, 5,000 followers or even less. So the trust level that we see among young content creators and their followers is really high. And young consumers aren't evaluating how trustworthy a, a content creator is based on the number of people that follow them. They're, they're basing that on, on the content itself. Interesting. So from what you say about these nano influencers, but really considering themselves content creators, that they are creating for an audience, does that mean that they're not just living their lives? They're actually creating curated, thoughtful content, right? I just want to make sure I understand that, that they're approaching their content as content. 
Yeah, absolutely. Some of that might just be snippets of lives. I mean, think of YouTubers and mm-hmm. the the amount of fame that has come to some YouTubers who really, you know, just share little snippets of their lives. But um, they're still curating it. They're, they it's are this, curating it's this snippet, it. oh, not that, is and not that. Of snippet. course, it's curated. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think that these generations would ever think to not curate their online presence. That is innate to them. I think, yes, they're, they're thinking about their audience when they post. And in fact, the majority of young people who create content for an audience that's broader than their friends and family are say that they are actively trying to grow their follower count. So absolutely, they're thinking about the people who are, who are watching that content. So, okay, but what, what are their posts? What are they making? And is it different between millennials and Gen Z? Yeah, certainly is different between millennials and Gen Z. I mean, the overall themes that they're touching on are are the same. So those the biggest ones, you know, they're the content that they're creating. They're most likely to describe it as entertaining and funny. Random is actually number three. So that's, you know, those are in the top for both Gen Z and millennials. But Gen Z is definitely more likely to be creating random content and meme worthy content, meme content. Mm. Memes are, you know, second language to Gen Z and millennials are more likely to describe their content that they're creating as educational or insightful. So definitely some, some key differences between the two generations when it comes to their content creation. And are these still photographs? Are they videos? Are they texts? Oh, what, sure. what are they posting? Yeah. So we asked specifically what they're posting. Absolutely. Because of course there's, you know, so many different kinds of creation that can be tackled and the majority are posting actual just posts, right? So photos or other uh, kind of static, but over half are posting videos and then over a third are posting memes and, and GIFs. And then between the two gen- generations are actually looking specifically at, at age breaks when it comes to content creation, young Gen Z is most likely to be creating videos. Um, Mm. We've consistently said that Gen Z is not just a visually driven generation, um, but a generation that's really video focused because of the platforms that they've grown up using, YouTube Mm. and now TikTok. So they are just as likely to be creating videos as they are posts. And then also more likely, as I said, to be creating memes. Are there platform differences? You know, you mentioned YouTube and TikTok and those are very mm-hmm. good video, right? Uh, but yeah. it, are the people who are making videos also making videos on Instagram? It's kind of consistent across the board or does it vary depending on the platform? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely cross-pollination that's happening. So when we ask young content creators about um, where they're posting content, the majority are posting on multiple Mm-hmm. platforms and that makes sense right you know they're right. using multiple platforms so they're posting multiple platforms and then when it comes to you know the kinds of platforms that they're posting on comparing gen z creators to millennial creators just as we see in all social media data that we collect there are huge differences between these groups mm-hmm. and you know no surprise gen z is more likely to be creating videos they're far more likely than millennials to be posting on tiktok in fact the the TikTok is the number one social platform that Gen Z creators are using to post content on for an audience, followed very closely by Instagram, which of course has Reels, which they've really focused on, and then YouTube. So three, the top three platforms for Gen Z creators are 
aren't really video um, video focused or video optimized. So Facebook posted losses recently. How's it sure. doing with uh, young consumers in general? I mean, I presume obviously it's not in the top three for the Gen Z. How's it, mm-hmm. how's it faring with millennials? Millennials continue to name tech, uh, Facebook as a top platform that they use. It is the top platform that millennials use overall you know, not thinking about creators versus Mm -hmm. non-creators, but just overall. It's also the top platform that millennials who create content for an audience say that they use to post that content. So, you know, think about Facebook groups. You know, we know that millennials are more likely to use Facebook overall. They're also more likely to be in Facebook groups. And certainly our data here shows that those who are participating in those groups, but also those millennials who are posting to feeds or to their own pages in Facebook, are are considering that a, a place to grow an audience. Right. I was interested to see that uh, Fortnite showed up for millennials. What does that look like and who is posting there? Yeah, that's a very small percentage of okay. millennial creators who say that they're posting content on Fortnite. It's, it's only 8% versus 53% who say Facebook and 37% who say Instagram for millennial creators, 27% who say TikTok for millennial creators. So we're looking at a very small percentage, but certainly, you know, gaming content is, is huge. And then there are lots of different softwares that gamers use to, to both stream their gameplay, as well as have, you know, groups associated with that gameplay. So there's definitely, you know, gamer influencers are a huge, huge category. Mm-hmm. And then so gamer nano influencers, of course, are, are a thing as well. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I also was interested to see WhatsApp surface at all, because I always think of WhatsApp as a private messaging group. Yeah. Again, very small percentage when it comes to the number of millennial creators who say that they're posting content for an audience broader than friends and family on WhatsApp. But it definitely shows that these messaging platforms are not just things that that are being used to talk to small personal groups, but that there's some some content and some community that's being built in in these platforms as well that go beyond those, you know, one-on-one or, you know, um, kind of intimate group conversations. Right. Well, I, I think it's interesting, both these very small percentage numbers may be very tight with the people who they're performing for, even if they are beyond that friends and family. So it, especially to get into somebody's WhatsApp, in terms of getting their mind share when being seen. I, I think it's interesting there. Is being a social media influencer seen as a career or a side hustle with this group of people? <laughs> yeah, both for sure. Um, but I think, you know, what brands and maybe even parents <laughs> need to understand is that um, the idea of, um, creating a career on social media being, you know, something that we turn our nose up on or think is, you know, not work, um, or is, you know, frivolous is definitely a thing of the past. We see very clearly that Gen Z and millennials see social media as a, an opportunity to make money and to grow a following, which then can lead to having a career there. So these generations really do see social media as an opportunity, which means that it could be a career and it 
even more likely could be a, a side hustle for them. And we see really clear percentages, in fact, of the number of young people who already say that their social media presence is their side hustle or career. 20% mm. of all young consumers who use social media say that it's their presence there is their side hustle or career. And so, you know, Well, what's interesting there is that goes to their mindset. So if you're a brand and you're reaching out to them, it's not about free stuff. It's about them show me the money and treat them like a professional, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we get into that um, in depth in in this report as well, you know, what they expect out of brands and and how they want to be compensated, even if they are nano influencers, right? Some of them are willing to do it uh, just for you know, work with brands just for exposure, but really the top things that they want are our financial compensation and then followed by free products. <laughs> so it really, it really is compensation and that's, that's what yeah. they expect. If you're yeah, going to have absolutely. this conversation, well, I've had several episodes where I've interviewed guests who've talked about user generated content and its value. Does this mean that you can get influence for free? I mean, you know, it, thinking about this, I want to be sure. paid. If somebody is already doing, you know, they're already user generating content around your brand, uh, they still expect to be paid. I mean, how, 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 yeah, how do you transition? The, it's the official um, partnerships with brands that they expect to be paid for. So if a brand wants and is asking for a young person to post about them for their audience, you know, the number one thing that they expect is money right. <laughs> and free products. That said, you know, young people are already organically posting about brands and, I would say, I think it's 37% of young creators tell us that they've talked about a brand or product on their social media because they like the brand, just because they like it. So they're already talking about brands. What the opportunity there is, is if you are seeing that organic conversation among, you know, made by nano influencers, um, is that there's a real opportunity to showcase it as user-generated content. But the important caveat there is accreditation. And then also, you know, if you are earning something as a brand off of the back of a young creator who has organically talked about your brand, the kind of right thing to do, but also probably the the way to create the best relationships with a nano influencer is to is to find a way to compensate them anyway, even if it wasn't um, an official, you know, kind of partnership. I see. In the past, when we've talked about virality, we've talked about how important it is to be timely when you jump on a trend. Is there a time factor with UGC or can your staff mine, you know, and find and then also investigate what some of those person's other posts are to make sure that it's brand safe. I mean, what's the time? Is there a time window? Yeah, I think, you know, always with social media, things move incredibly fast. That said, if if it's content that, you know, hasn't gone viral, but is about your brand and you want to showcase it by reposting it, um, you know, there's less of a kind of time restriction there. You know, okay. you're not trying to piggyback on a, a moment, a zeitgeist. Right. Um, you're just finding good content about your brand and then wanting to showcase it, which by the way, you know, young people are very interested in and the majority of young content creators would be excited by the well, especially idea of brand they reposted like. by a yeah. brand. Exactly. Is there a brand that you feel does very well 
in terms of how they relate and interact with user generated content? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's many brands, but I think, you know, we have an example in, in the report of Taco Bell commenting on a, a young user's video on TikTok. Um, you know, she thanked them for helping her get through a breakup and they, they commented on her video. And I think that kind of interaction is something that, quite frankly, young people, they like it when brands act like people on social media. We've seen that very clearly in, in past research. And it's just something that can can help a brand to to feel more approachable um, and memorable to them. So there's those kinds of examples and certainly all those brands that are really great at, at having kind of that persona on social. But I think one of the really interesting things that's been happening more recently that's newer is that some brands are turning to their employees and um, kind of making them the digital ambassadors for their for their brands. Walmart has done this. Duolingo has kind of put some of their their employees who, you know, in fact, the the person who's in charge of their social media account actually has become kind of a persona in her own right for, for Duolingo. So she's kind of earned a following and does duet TikToks regularly and, and has, you know, kind of become a representative of the brand. And I think well, that's how, really interesting. How, so how do young consumers feel about these, these employees? Are they, they're not perceived as sock puppets, you, you know? Uh, no, I think, you know, because because young employees are are often telling truths about brands okay. online. Okay. Um, you know, there can be a certain amount of, of trust that's that's built in there. Okay. Um, and I think some of it is, you know, showing the behind the scenes realities or, you know, tips, tricks, whatever it might be of of working there, kind of the the insider information. So so no, I don't think that it's necessarily seen as employing puppets because some of this content is being created organically already. I think, you know, an interesting switch is that for a while, when big brands would see their employees posting kind of behind the scenes content on social media, many of them would tamp down on that. And, you know, it would be seen as negative, you know, you shouldn't be kind of showing secrets, talking out of school. Well, and that goes People could get fired. Well, and that goes to control and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is related to timeliness, you'd often marketing you know, you want to control your brand voice. You want to control your brand image. It's great to want to team with these people. And and so I think when you have employees going a little off reservation, you didn't know what Cindy Lou Who is going to be doing. That that can the initial reaction, certainly from older managerial types is, ah, you're going off book. Right. So when brands though are thinking about working with their employees or working with influencers, how much control should they expect? Mm. Yeah, I think it depends if it's in an official capacity. Again, you know, you have, uh, you are paying that employee to create that digital content, or you are finding that organic content that employees are creating and showcasing it, you know, for the latter, you're con- you're not going to have a lot of control at all. And quite frankly, for the former, they're going to expect a lot of creative control as well. So Hmm. when we talk to young creators and ask them about what would make them want to work with the brand, definitely they would want complete creative freedom, the majority of them. 
And I think that would stand even if they were employees of the brand. You know, they want to be able to create content that is in their voice, that is authentic to the rest of the content that they create. That is something that their audience would expect for them. Um, and, a you know, a kind of polished ad is not going to be, um, be that content. It's going to be more unstructured. It's going to have to have their personality in it in order for it to to do what the brand wants in the first place, which is appeal to the audience that they're speaking to. Right. Well, an influencer is managing their reputation and brand, their own personal reputation exactly. and brand as well. Wipel years ago produced some content around what brands should know about young influencers and, and how they want to work with brands. And I think a lot of those hold true um, today and also hold true for, for lessons of young influencers, that transparency is, is incredibly vital. And that also maintaining your voice and the trust with, with your followers mm-hmm. is is incredibly important in terms of longevity and growing that audience long-term. So whatever you're doing as a, as a young influencer or nano influencer, of course, it has to, to fit in with, with what they expect of you and, and to match those trust levels. So we also see, you know, young creators tell us that they would, the majority, 59%, tell us that they would only promote brands that they have that have ethical practices that they agree with. So, you know, we're only working with brands that, that align with the, their beliefs Mm -hmm. is really important. And I think that's um, part of keeping that trust with followers as well. What is the number one takeaway for people who are at the brands who want to work with nano influencers? What is the number one thing they should keep in mind? Well, I think for brands, I think one of the big things is to just Remember that the definition of influencer is changing and that working with many nano influencers might be just as valuable as that one big ticket high-end influencer. And then I think also tapping nano influencers for user-generated content. They're number one drive of creating content is creativity, that they want an outlet for creativity. And the things that young creators are posting online are most likely just as creative, if not more than than some of the things that you might come up with yourself. So know that there's a wealth of content out there that young people are creating that is incredibly creative and deserves a spotlight. So, well, and also you know, this, is, this is what they want to see, right? When you talk, yeah. when other surveys, when you talk about why you watch what you watch, why you engage with what you engage, being entertained is right up there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.